welcome back to the Scrugs Show with your host, Natasha Scrugs. Today, we're going to talk about sports and COVID, during the revolution, during everybody getting back outside. And we have a special guest, Gat, Sports Gat, on Twitter. And she is the founder and CEO of the Kansas City Podcast Network. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Um, can you just say a little bit more about like your history so people kind of know your Um, you know, your resume when it comes to sports. (laughs) Absolutely. I started a podcast in uh, 2014 called Sprouts Takes. So it was kind of a play on people yelling about sports and how they just kind of get a little bit too hyphy about it sometimes (laughs) on the internet mostly. Um, And so we ran with that for a while. It was all female. So we've really focused on the all female aspect of it. Um, in 2017, I became the first female to host a sports radio show in Kansas City ever. Uh, for a kid with a speech impediment, that's a pretty big deal, you know? Like, yeah. I was not prepared for that one. Uh, I grew up hating sports radio because it gave me a headache. And then I started doing it, it for a living. Loud. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's just like, all right, so here we go. And so it kind of launched this path of um, not just empowering women, but just kind of showing that you can do it without having the tags of, oh, female sports radio host or whatever. I just want to be known as a media personality and now uh, I get to kind of foster everyone else's talent right now so KCPN just started on April 20th and we have I think like 100 episodes already so it's just like constant content all from Kansas City based people all walks of life all different topics so we're always looking to grow so that's (laughs) that's the main thing that's awesome so what kind of got your interest in sport or what what started your interest in sports probably my dad Uh, if I wanted to hang out with my dad on Sundays I would have to watch sports or if I (laughs) wanted to hang out with him on the weekend he'd be glued to the KU game or something like that and uh, you just kind of grow to love it after a while and I love the competition I love being able to go to events and meet other fans anywhere you travel too I'm sure you know this because when you travel if you see somebody with Kansas City stuff on you make a beeline for them and you're just like hey I'm from there I just came from there so it's cool to see that kind of uh, especially after the Super Bowl that's interesting because actually that's the same reason I got into sports because of my dad my dad wasn't really there but like when I saw him he was always watching the NBA so my brother is 6'6 and he was playing basketball already he wasn't 6'6 then he was probably 6'1 but I was like you know what I'm gonna start playing too because I want to get his attention so I started playing basketball started watching the games started really getting into Jordan and Kobe and everybody like that and then um like I'm from St. Louis so then when we won the Super Bowl in 01 it was like kind of crazy it was like okay now I'm, I'm gonna get really get into the NFL really get into football and then when I got into college I went to Missouri Southern State University and I played basketball there that's when I got into college sports I was never into college sports until college that's awesome <laughs> I could see that though because I was not really a K-State fan until I went to K-State and then I fell in love with the school so I get that a lot oh yeah, yeah. I mean so St. Louis right yeah. so being in Kansas City are you still a St. Louis fan I have well, to ask this yeah. is what happened we lost our team did you? Yes. Oh. The Rams. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so then Might have heard about that. I, right. <laughs> I was like avoiding. I was like being a rebel and I was saying, I'm not going to do anything Chiefs. I'm not going to be involved with the Chiefs until 20, I think it was 2018 or 2019. I said, you know what? I'm going to have to come over to the Chiefs side. And then I had an opportunity because I'm getting into sports law now. I had an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl this year and and do like a lot of different sports law events. And when while I was there, I got a Chiefs shirt. I got the Chiefs hat. And then I was like, accept me into the kingdom. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I am here for it. I am. And um, now I'm newly a Royals fan. 
I've been loyal to the Cardinals, but I did not like the way that the Cardinals responded. I didn't like the Cardinals message that they put out. I can't really remember, but it was some sort of a, we love the police. Um, we stand for them. You know, they, it was like an all lives matter thing. It wasn't like we're going to identify, you know, our true, our fans from St. Louis who have been having issues with police brutality. And I didn't like that. And I did like what the Royals said. The Royals were very strong, very clear. So about two weeks ago, I said, I'm team Royals now. So it's a great time to get into baseball, you know, <laughs> you know? Like, when we don't know what's happening or whatever. <laughs> but it's and you make a really good point, because when your team doesn't support the things that you truly love um, and care about outside of sports, it's like, can you really stand behind them? So that brings up a good point. Hey, it's possible to go across I-70 and change allegiance. I mean, that's impressive. Yeah. I will yeah. never give you crap about that ever. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I love both the teams. Um, I I definitely love the Chiefs. You know what I really liked about, first of all, I'm in love with Andy Reid. Like, you can ask my brother. I keep talking <laughs> about it. I'm like, oh, Big Red, he's so awesome. I'm really into astrology, so he's a Pisces, and my best friend is a Pisces. And I just feel like I was talking about his loyalty, like his display of loyalty. Like, even last year when we had the worst um, – um, defense in the league. Yeah, it was pretty rough. <laughs> Even uh -huh. then, when everybody was kind of like on him to fire his guy had, who had been there, he trusted him and he, he, he t you know, he let him lead. He didn't get rid of him until he was, it was absolutely necessary. Like he had no other choice, but mm -hmm. you got to go. I like that. I mean, it's like he trusts the people on his squad to do their job and he's very good at doing his job and he doesn't have to overreach to be a leader I also like the way that he got behind his players when they kind of did a press conference and he was saying listen my family told me to listen my family told me to open my ears and to sit down I like that better than somebody trying to be like fake woke and felt like they know everything he's saying listen these are young guys but I respect them I love them they're my players and I want to listen to them I mean that's an amazing leader to do that he's been through a lot in Kansas City and you bring up great points that, you know, not every single coach in the NFL right now is doing what Andy Reid is doing no. by being outspoken and really getting behind Mahomes' message of wanting to do more with the community and really wanting to do better for the community. And and having some sort of initiative call to action, I think, is amazing with what they have been announcing that they plan to do uh, community-wise. And so um, I really believe that the voter registration is the right move. Um, I also believe if you would have asked me this like a week ago, I would have been like, burn it all to the ground. Don't <laughs> don't encourage people to vote like screw the system. <laughs> I've had a few revelations that I think that, like you said, with astrology, I truly like after like discovering astrology, I went full blown <laughs> um, and actually hired an astrologer. I don't want to talk about oh. it, but it's fine. I love her. Lily, I'm not ashamed of you. Oh. Um, but, you know, you really start to realize that this is just a pain. This is pain happening right now. And but. Right now, we have the opportunity to really research the people that we have in our communities to get behind, and we can be the most informed generation of our time, like of, of this time that we will see on this planet, uh, and we could do better, and we can vote the people in that do fit our policies. So if you're going to register to vote, know who you're voting for, too. That's the only thing I ask. It's like, <laughs> if you get out there and vote, just don't vote blindly because of party, and actually do look up and see what people are representing and want to do to your community, too. Right, and I tip my hat to Pat and to the other players that got involved in that because they were trying to see what could they do to not overstep, you know, into some of the activist lanes and not to, you know, uh, underperform or under, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, I guess underrepresent too. Yeah, underrepresent. Mm -hmm. They wanted to make their position very clear and they wanted to do something that the Chiefs could get behind. I mean, that's amazing. Like, I, I mean, has any other team done that yet? 
I don't know of any other team that has. Um, I'd like to say that this is showing a lot of progression because over the last few years, there's been issues with people saying there's locker room issues with Marcus Peters saying too much and all this, and, and the when Chiefs he was don't the only support. One kneeling right, and back so in the day. a lot of people were saying that the Hunt family doesn't support. Well, I think we have our answer now that when uh, when faced with a situation that none of us have ever really lived through before, they're going to step up and do what's right. Right, and I like that they did that right before um, they started really pushing out that they were practicing because it was like the coaches came back to the office then they did the press conference and now they're showing us that look we're still in shape we're still trying to get ready we still want to play if that happens yeah i mean i've been seeing workout videos all over the place i think let it fly media has <laughs> been doing a lot of them <laughs> right. uh, to see like all the different players what they've been up to in the off off season and it really still is the off season for them they just won a super bowl true um I don't know what I'm going to do without football in the fall. If it yeah. looks like we're, we're not going to be. we're the first game, supposedly. Yeah, I may or may not be planning a giant tailgate. I'm not going to say that that's going to be, <laughs> you know, like the worst case scenario uh, that I have to cancel a tailgate. Uh, it's just, it's scary. What if they do the games without any fans? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, they're all San Diego Chargers or, excuse me, L.A. Chargers games now? Like, oh, I mean, so mean. <laughs> they, their own players came out and said, like, yeah, we don't have fans, so it's not really anything different. Like, a couple right. hundred people show up. It's like people in L.A. used to have other things to do. Now everything's shut down. Maybe if you only offer football as Maybe a way to come. get out of the house, you put everybody in bubble suits. I don't know. Right. I don't know how this is going to work out. <laughs> I don't either. No, I really don't. You're a lawyer, not a doctor. So I feel like we could see, like, I don't know, like some sort of Dr. Fauci is supposed to have answers. And I'm like, <laughs> he doesn't. It. No. And, and I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the legal side. And I'm, I'm going to reach out to Christopher Shea. He's the compliance director, the general counsel, general manager, something like, not general manager, general counsel over the Chiefs. Cool. And I want to know what legal you know, steps are they taking to make sure that what if something does happen? What if one of the, what if a few of the players do get it or continue to get it? Or what if some of the workers get it? Cause if you have players, you got to have trainers, you got to have, you got to have food, you got to have drinks, you got to, I mean, you got to have the lights. I mean, you got to have so many things and all of these people have to be together. Now they can still play the six feet thing like you and I are doing, but how much can they do that? You know, throughout the whole season. And then what are the fans going to be doing? Because I'm season ticket holder. I mean, you know, I feel like it would probably be applied to future games, but we're looking at things saying that this might not, you know, wrap up for a couple of years. And I'm sitting here like, I don't know what I'm going to do without football. I can live without baseball, football for <laughs> that long. The whole year. Yeah. Um, I don't remember a single time in my life that we didn't have it. So it's just one of those. Yeah. That's kind of odd. I mean, it, it was surreal when the NBA said that we're done. It was surreal. So I can see it happening. What I don't want to happen is I don't want it to be like, okay, we got two games in or three games in, and then now the season is shut down. It's like, I feel like since it's been all these months, why isn't anything planned? You know, that's the one thing I would, you know, ask the people who are in charge of the NFL schedule. We can't just be like the NFL's going full speed ahead. That's been the whole answer. Like the NFL's yeah, not going to we'll change their fine. schedule. It's like, what if we have to change the schedule? What if things have to happen? Then what? I don't know how that will work out. Um, I'm barely able to get out of the house myself most days <laughs> to own my own schedule because uh, I'm just a chaotic person. I can't imagine trying to get all the personnel, all the equipment that you need to do just for a normal game safely. Safely is the other thing because if you are understaffed, 
uh, than what happens if players get hurt and then that's their career, that's their livelihood, that's everything, and it's all gone. And we've seen what happens in college. I know that you've been very outspoken about paying NCAA players, but when those players get injured in college, they have nothing to fall back on. Nothing. These NFL players do at least have some sort of safety net. But I mean, like, if they don't have a season, do they file unemployment too? I mean, it's just like they're also out of a lot of uh, out of a lot of money on some levels. And some of these guys that are on practice squad and all that, um, they live pretty much already paycheck to paycheck. We saw it in the minor leagues in baseball. Exactly. How owners are having to actually pay their players like a livable wage. It's right. crazy. Um, but the whole landscape of sports just right now is such a huge question mark. It's because, just a big question mark. Mm-hmm. Right. I just got an email yesterday from the NFLPA, and, you know, they represent the players' interests, and they sent out something to, like, all people who either own an organization or own a company, and they were saying, hey, would you take NFL players, and I'm not making this up, would you take NFL players as externs or interns if the the season doesn't happen? Like, they're trying to get the players more skills besides just playing football, because if mm-hmm. they can't just play football, what else are they going to do? I thought that was interesting, and I'm so I think that the NFL itself is not thinking about that, but I think that the the organizations that represent players, like the agents, like you know the the players associations, may be worried about that because I'm sure they're getting a million calls a day saying, "Hey, what are we gonna do?" Yeah, and you look at <coughs> what happened with the NFL. Roger Goodell did not put that video out himself of the Black Lives Matter. It was his interns that did it behind his back, and then he had to respond to it. Right. So don't like let anyone fool you that Roger Goodell actually cares. I think he was just more <laughs> or less like, well, this video exists now, so I better talk about it. Right. And um, you just have to wonder uh, if that wouldn't have happened, where they would have gone, what their next move was, because um, everyone that I've seen has just kind of been tone deaf about it. I feel like the best people that are handling it, I mean, who would you say are handling the, the sports updates and the and the athlete management and all that the best what league would you say <sighs> maybe the nba maybe but i still don't know because i need to get we got to get to the end of this month yeah <laughs> so i can see what's going to happen with this whole orlando trip yeah um i but i think that individual teams have been responding i think that the players i really enjoyed that that video that they did because it seemed as though when when kaepernick did it years ago that it wasn't like he was standing alone but it didn't seem like he had as much camaraderie and as much support from his teammates and different things like that now it seems like uh if one person says it or if your leader says it a lot of the guys they're not scared because honestly when Kaepernick was saying that it wasn't that the guys didn't agree but they were scared I mean people were explicitly telling the players and the coaches do not let your players kneel do not let your players talk about social justice I mean I have a friend Christian Kirksey who was on the Browns at the time he was the captain now he just uh, went to a different team but they uh their coaches were telling them like Listen, don't do it. And some of them were still doing it, but it's a it's a risk when this is your livelihood. And it would have been better if back then the teams would have supported and the head Roger Goodell would have supported them. And now like fast forward to 2020, you know, for them to put out that statement, it was kind of a slap in the face of everybody who had been kneeling, everybody who had been trying to just use their voice peacefully. Um, in the NFL, it was a slap in their face. Like, oh, now you guys care about it? And Kaepernick still doesn't have a job. You know, he's kind of been just discarded. It's really sad that that's going to be like his history. Like, it's going to be in the books of this is what happened to him just because he wanted to kneel. 
It is, and I think that this is a really good opportunity, and I think the NFL still has time to do this. I mean, there's a $250 million pledge on the table that the NFL promised uh, fans and and the players and everything else. They could easily make that a position. Um, First, they need to apologize to Colin Kaepernick more than anything else. A a public, direct apology to the man would be the bare minimum that they could do. Um, (laughs) The best thing that they could do would be offer him a position, specifically being overseeing the $250 million um, pledge for yeah. the next, I think, 10 years. So yeah. I don't know if it'd be more slap in the face for Kaepernick to be used as like, a, hey, we're a good team kind of pawn for anyone to take him on as a quarterback right now. I think that would be um, a step backwards for him, even mm. though it would finally kind of get like, hey, I can still play football. Yeah. That'd be good vindication. But like, what's going to be bigger for the movement? It's going to be bigger for him to step into a position where he finally has the power and the voices to get done what he has wanted to do. And he could use influences from other um, areas of his life, advisors and, and conversations that he has privately. Um, I know that he has conversations with a lot of athletes one on one and definitely did when he first came out with his statement and his mission. Um, and I think that he would be a perfect person to do that. Uh, will the NFL, you know, kind of put their tail between their legs and and offer that direct apology? Who knows? But at the same time, um, that would be a step in the right direction, I think. Um, but if he came back as a player, too, that'd be amazing. You know, whatever yeah. makes him truly happiest. Yeah, I think that based on his social media and based on what he said, he really just has like a desire to play. And so I think that he would be able to manage both. I think that he could set up, he could put a team together because he already has, you know, several different operations going. I think that if they did put him in charge of that, that would show us a a sign of good faith, show that they are really sorry after the apology, like you said, but also if he was able to get a a real shot. I mean, we don't know because unfortunately, I don't want to say unfortunately, factually he settled and we don't know what the evidence was, you know, as far as who is blackballing him, who doesn't want him to play, what has been said. But if there were coaches that were saying don't hire cap, if there were, you know, blocks in place, those blocks should be removed and somebody should put him on his team. Now, yes, would it be symbolic? Yes. Would it be, you know, the perfect time for them to do it and it could be like a PR stunt? Yes. But he still wants to play and the National Football League is the best league in the world. So, I mean, what else can he do? I definitely think that he should have been in charge. Like, if we go back to when they promised that pledge, he should have been a part of that conversation anyway because that's the only thing that he was trying to do. And I didn't – when even when the NFL decided to make that pledge, it was a little bit disingenuous to me because the only thing that – Kaepernick asked the NFL to do was just to not discriminate against him. He wasn't even talking directly to the NFL when he was kneeling or when he was talking about social justice. He was specifically talking about the police departments and, you know, the prosecutors and the judges. And it's like the NFL took, they just immediately took a side and started opposing him. And that's why it's like, for them to say, okay, this is what Kaepernick wanted. No, Kaepernick wanted to keep his job, to protest peacefully, to invoke his First Amendment rights, just like every other American has the right to do. And you guys infringed on his right and didn't want him to do it and made it so that he couldn't get a job. And that's why he settled. So it's a big mess. But hopefully by the end of 2020, which we don't even know if we're going to have a whole season, but I hope, I mean, there are rumors that the Chargers are looking at him. There are rumors that other teams are looking at him. So who knows? 
Yeah, and you also have to go back to the Rooney rule and how outdated that is and how they were trying to freaking make it, like trying to overturn all this stuff. And I'm just like, I just don't think that the NFL can get away with using black people as props anymore. <laughs> right. I don't think it's okay. It's not. Um, to only value someone's life when they're playing on the field for you and making you money. Yeah. Um, you have to care about your entire team. And I think the Chiefs, uh, while it might not be in 2017 when they did it, you know, they won a Super Bowl and there might not be a season. I think they're going to go all in on whatever they can to keep their players happy right now and I think True. what's going to make them happy is seeing them kind of dedicate uh, some outspokenness. The Hunt family is not traditionally known um, for coming out with uh, big statements. You know, when they when they drafted Tyreek Hill, um, when they had some, you know, questionable things going on with their front office and their decision making, they kind of remained quiet on a lot of issues. Um, yeah. But, you know, you see progress with this and you see the change happening and I think that's what people need to see. Um, and I think that the fans need to take it seriously too. Yeah. And if you care about football and you care about, you know, your team, uh, well, look who's predominantly on these teams. It's people of all different backgrounds. Right. And you don't just have everyone from, you know, the inner city and poverty. You know, there's people that grew up in the suburbs too. Yeah. And people that grew up from all walks of life. So it's just like the team, I don't think is ever the problem. I feel like the, if there's a locker room issue that the team kind of takes care of it True. themselves. True. I That's feel I like it's always play. the front office just being getting in their own heads. Like, what? What will people think it's like who cares do the right thing right right and that's why i commend the chiefs because they they listen to the the younger guys the guys who just like pat said he loves all of his teammates um they all you know have a camaraderie they all get along it's not a it's not like they don't have any internal issues but they do have issues with what's going on to black people outside of them and they should be able to say that with you know with autonomy they shouldn't be able to i mean they shouldn't have to be quiet about things that they care about. And I think that, like you said, if you are a true fan, I mean, if you are a true American, you you would get behind these people. All they're trying to do is say Black Lives Matter. They're just trying to say, you know, people shouldn't get murdered by the police. People should have the right to uh, due process. All the rights that we have, <laughs> that's all they're trying to say. And I feel like if you do support these boys, you do understand where they come from. You do understand their background, their family. That's one thing I liked about what Pat said too in his press conference. He was talking about, you know, he has cousins and that could, who have been to jail, who have been to prison. That shouldn't be a, a whisper thing. I myself am a prison abolitionist and I believe that uh, a lot of the stuff shouldn't be punished by prison, shouldn't be punished by jails or prison. And I do believe in the ultimate uh, dismantlement of the system as is anyway. So I don't want us to have a, um, a optic, you know, image of, okay, this is the type of black man we're talking about. No, we're talking about all black men and women, all people of all races in general, no matter if they went to prison, no matter if they're poor, no matter if they're handicapped, no matter if they're uh, LGBT, we just want everybody to be free. We want everybody to have freedom. And specifically right now, black people have been oppressed by the same system and we just want to change that. So I like that he, I mean, it, that was very strong. And I, I felt like it was like, it's like, the part two. It's like the the sequel of Colin Kaepernick saying that and now he's saying it, but he's getting support. It's like, I wish that that could have happened with, with Kaepernick mm -hmm. back in the day. For real. And you see the different aspects of what happens when you have the public behind you. And that's what I think the media um, should be held accountable for not informing the public of all angles and then, you know, kind of mocking the uninformed public when they don't know everything. <laughs> right. And then it's like, whose job is it to inform these people? Like, yeah. who is it? Whose responsibility does it fall on to make sure 
sure that people are aware of what's actually going on and it falls on the people. So I think that like the more informed that we can be as a public, um, that's going to really uh, threaten the institutionalized oppression. You're not going to you're not going to see people, you know, um, not know their rights anymore. You know, yeah. they're going to be able to have dialogue with police the way that police have dialogue with police. Um, and then the more uh, aware of pretty much everything around you as you can be and, and documenting things. Yes, you are obviously in your rights to do that and videotape police and, and there's apps coming out to help keep people safer. Uh, but the I think the biggest thing is that we have to have these conversations um, that might be uncomfortable for a lot of people right. to understand, like, well, why can't we say all lives matter? It's like, all right. <laughs> and so the memes coming out are great. You know, the cartoons coming out are great to explain this. But 2017 is when I stopped caring about sports for a really like huge part of my career. And I haven't really talked about it much because everywhere I would go, somebody was trying to debate or argue with me or fight me about, you know, do you believe that Colin Kaepernick Nick should be kneeling? And every single person wanted to tell me personally why they thought yes or no. And it became like, you know, you guys are really making me not respect you at all with these yeah. opinions. Like, how can you be that dense? The same people are like, oh, I kind of get, I kind of get it now, and I kind of see it, and so that, that's that's great. The, that's the Admit you're being position, wrong. But. Yeah, it's like that's fine, um, but you really have to just like Andy Reid said, listen, just sit back, listen, support black businesses as much as you can, and really be somebody that can speak out. If you see injustice, speak out against it. You can't right. just do it on the internet and then not you know actually do anything <laughs> in real life. I mean, you can do a lot on the internet though. I think that's proven. Uh, this generation is going to be probably one of the most powerful generations because of all the information that we have at our fingertips. But I think it's media. Like, what role do you think media plays? Like you just said, you was talk, you were talking about, you know, the TV media or the media personalities. But then cell phones are media, social media. Social media is the biggest media right now. But what role of importance do you put on the local media or, you know, media reporting on things? I think that's kind of why I started uh, KCPN is because I saw a lack of diversity, a lack of being able to truly speak your mind and hearing uh, voices from all over the place in Kansas City. I feel like we hear a very cherry-picked narrative a lot of the times uh, with coverage and what people are really allowed to say. Um, a really specific example, I think most people in Kansas City can remember the uprising against the Kansas City media last summer um, yeah. through the spring with the Tyreek Hill case um, and through... Uh, Kevin Keatsman flat out saying that Andy Reid can't win big games because he can't <laughs> discipline his son. And that's why his son died of a drug overdose. That was so, so rude. Kansas City hasn't had a great look on it right now. I still do national interviews all the time at uh, Oakland not that long ago. And they were still asking me about what happened with Tyreek Hill. And oh so I go gosh. back and I explain it all. I explain from start to finish why I think that uh, Kansas City Star and KCTV5 still owe Tyreek Hill and his family an apology for what they put them through and the media circus that they created um, through doctoring information. I mean, like you can't doctor audio. Yeah, and then, they like, just chopped it up. You just, that's not how this works. So I it, remember the day that the full audio dropped. It was like everybody, it was crazy. I just kept hearing the whole audio everywhere. Yeah. Uh, the peanut where I was, I actually had like two different meetings there. I'm always at the peanut on 127. Oh, I love so the peanut, yeah, it's the best. Uh, the I'm best at the wings. one back in uh, OP, so not a lot of people come down there. But oh, yeah. <laughs> they had the audio on, and I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, oh, this is what I was just listening to in my car, and it was just on repeat, and everyone was just exactly like, really. This is what we're doing. Like but props minutes. to 610 for getting that. I mean, like, yeah, it is amazing that um, they were dedicated to actually putting themselves out there and putting themselves on the line. And I think it really showed people in Kansas City what's 
possible when media doesn't tell you the truth or the full truth or the, the full, full story. Yeah. All the information, we don't even know the full truth still. A lot of people um, are always going to have their reservations about things. But I think what we learned is that there is a system in place that favors painting a narrative of things just to get people riled up and get people skewed. And the media really interferes with due process a lot of the time. Yeah, because, I mean, a lot of times when it people try to say that the media can help, but it can hurt just as bad. If you put out a narrative about somebody, that's going to be it. Once somebody hears something one time, it's like, that's it. Because most people don't go and research. I, myself, I like to go research. I like to dive deep. I'm a little bit of a nerd that way. <laughs> I but, feel you. <laughs> <laughs> but most people just look at the headline. So if the headline says something disparaging that's not true, that can definitely be a huge issue. So I agree. I agree. I think that the media had to, especially back then, they had to take a good look in the mirror, see what's going on, fix it, verify sources, you know, make sure that everything is right. And like you said, they're still working on that because it's they people still don't have like full trust in it. Right. And I think Kansas City, (laughs) more than ever, you see independent media companies popping up. You see people creating their own content, especially during this pandemic. That's why it's important to me to make sure that people, you know, if they don't have the resources to create their own platform, or if they don't know what they're doing quite yet, I would love to help them. You know, I'd always love to help spread um, different opinions and, you know, topics of all sorts. Right now, we're all over the place with our network, but a lot of it is sports. So I'm, I'm still kind of curious that the guys have kind of gone into like trivia games during the <laughs> shows and they're kind of just adapting, but we're, we're all going to have to. Um, yeah. But with Kansas City, I think we saw what what Aiton did with Kevin Keatsman. They apologized. They they actually said that they were sorry directly to what happened, yeah. and he still got fired. You know, everything was um, taken care of. I feel like, but I think the future in Kansas City is going to be by you know the citizens that have a lot to say, and we're seeing it more and more with the live feeds. That's basically you can turn that into a podcast if you have oh, a yeah. phone. Definitely. You can do anything. Um, there's a lot of like gadgets and stuff that you'll have to purchase along the way, but you know it's not completely unreasonable to have your own channel. Um, There's been independent bloggers that have been doing that and investigating Kansas City crime and the police department this entire time. So, I mean, I think it's incredible to look out there. Do you take everything as verified fact? I mean, that's up to you. You kind of have to make sure that you're being responsible with what you share and what you uh, tell people about. But I think it's important to um, at least hold yourself accountable and then hold the people in media and those powerful positions that can influence huge amounts of people uh, responsible for what they say. Yeah. Um, I do want to take the time to let you guys know, make sure you subscribe make sure you follow us on YouTube Twitter Instagram everything um speaking of that since you just brought that up uh, I had some issues with the media earlier in the month because uh, a lot of the talk about the protesters to me was very disparaging and this is before I decided to represent them pro bono but a lot of it was negative and they weren't really talking about the police and it's funny that you say that it had individual people have to use their voice because I feel like because people like me and other people were saying like, hey, you know, it's not the protesters that are out there, you know, starting this stuff. The police are like agitating. They're doing certain things. And people were recording that the police had to take a step back because, you know, as you saw on Twitter, they were saying, hey, we're not going to use tear gas anymore. We're not going to use uh, pepper spray anymore because at first they were acting like they it, they it was absolutely necessary to use that. And they were 
doing a lot and they were getting like national criticism and that started because of like you said local kansas city people recording saying hey don't do this and also holding the media people accountable and people that are in the media who were just coming out there and didn't know what was going on they started to actually listen to the people so i think that that's a good point to make and having conversations doesn't mean that you have to have like debates you don't have to like scream at people <laughs> insult them um, half of my conversations that I love having are with old dudes at random bars that, you know, I'm either working out of or meeting people at. And uh, I usually will just talk to them about like life and everything. And then they'll slowly bring up what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, I didn't think that you would want to hear anything that I have to say. I'm like, I am nosy. I will always want to listen <laughs> and know what other people have to say. Um, and it's just a matter of finding common ground. We might not agree on everything, but just have the conversations and know that, you know, not everybody is your enemy, but at the same time, really take into consideration the pain and the the hurt that's going on right now, too, because we're not done yet. There's no, there's no like, okay, we, we posted our little square, now it's over. Like, no, that's not what happens. Right. It's going to be um, ongoing. It's going to be an everyday thing. And I feel like I have, I'm very optimistic and I think that, I can see us different. I can see the world different. I can see us without having state actors that can kill people. I can see, you know, people having be able to have a conversation. I can see more diversity in front offices in big corporations, NFL, NBA, MLB, whatever the case may be. And I'm very hopeful of that. And if if someone's willing to listen to me, I'm definitely willing to listen to them. And I'm also willing to talk to them and let them know my story, let them know my perspective, because it's not really out there that much. But um, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for for having me this has been amazing <laughs> yeah i wish we could talk for hours and hours but yes. i'll definitely have to have you back on so we can talk hopefully we'll be talking about the, the nfl yeah. season if it happens but uh thanks for coming out thank you so much i appreciate it